Thank you for that music. <clears throat> Let's have a, a word of prayer as we continue with our service. Father in heaven, as uh, Amy, one of our leaders, just put it, <coughs> that prayer is, I'm not forgetting how she worded it, but I love it. It, was, it sounded so natural, not just poetic, but it <coughs> just sounded so natural and real. So we want to pause one more time and pray and ask that you would, as we often pray, ask that you would continue to use this time that whether people are listening and hearing online or whether they're here in person, as Paul writes about in the New Testament, that people would actually hear it for what it truly is, you speaking to people. We ask this once again in the generous name of Jesus. Amen. <clears throat> this last week I was in uh, meetings most of the week uh, in another state, and I felt impressed that the Lord wanted me to change the message for today, so we are uh, putting our series on Ephesians on hold just for, a, just, for a, a, just for today. So if you'll join me in Hebrews is where we'll begin, but we'll go to a few places today. We'll be starting in Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews 12, verses 1 through 3. The author writes in Hebrews 12, 1 to 3, Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us. And as a reminder, he's writing to professed believers of a high calling, the Hebrew of all Hebrews. Let us run the race with endurance that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy, for the joy set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, the author continues, he says, consider him. That's the author's way of talking about what's happening in the mind. Faith, trust, believe. It's also in Romans 6.11. Count yourselves dead to sin and alive to God through Christ. Count that, consider it, reckon it to be your experience. Consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself. Why? What's the big deal? So that you, as you focus on Jesus, and you'll see how Jesus did it, you'll see how Jesus wants to do it in you, so you will not grow weary and lose heart. As the author implies, because you can. You can lose heart, grow weary, grow faint too easily. Two years ago, I spent four days in Orlando, Florida. And uh, when I was there for those four days, all day long and part into the evening, <coughs> um, it's part of a church planting seminar. 
Uh, they call it exponential. And people travel from all over the world to attend this. Uh, the, this mega church is packed. There's over 6,000 people there in attendance, 25,000 more watching online. And uh, some are there on Sunday, some Monday, some Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and it's just different people come in at different times, but I'm typically there four days, sometimes more, and because uh, I'm a part of the church planting team for this, uh, for this state with our denomination. And um, I remember when I was there two years ago, it was before COVID, and uh, the speakers, and there's so many of them, there's a diversity, but basically the speakers uh, are, were very unified and very clear. If you'll do these things, if you do these things, you won't be stuck. <clears throat> I don't imagine you'll miss it, but in case you don't, the message today is all about being stuck. As you can see in the picture there, there's, some, there's a vehicle and they're stuck. They'd really like to go someplace. And some are pushing, and some are this, and some are that. There's someone over there pointing, telling them, if you don't want to be stuck, this, this is what you need. And at this seminar, there's authors. There, I mean, there's just evangelical people all over the place, and uh, booths, people, I mean, huge companies that are printing Bibles, and and uh, I mean, this university and that university and this Bible author and that one and this pastor has 35,000 mega churches and this pastor, you know, thinks, and I say thinks, that he just popped up 400 new churches last week. And I mean, everybody's got advice and everybody has their long list. If you do these 10 things, no, two and three and eight and 12 in my book and your book. And, <clears throat> you know, if you really want to not have your church be stuck, you got to turn off all the lights. And the next person will say, no, 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 if you really want to church, grow, you got to turn on the lights. And someone else will say, man, if you really want to grow, you got to have older music. So, no, no, newer music and louder music and quieter music. And you need, to frat, you need to fast. No, 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 you need more parties. You need to, and I mean, just the, there's a lot of stuff everybody says. But they're all unified. When I went there two years ago, they were all unified. If you do these things... You and your church, this world, America, we won't be stuck. And I, <laughs> I remember it so vividly. As we were flying away, the world was shut down and stuck. It was COVID. Their advice didn't work too well. Didn't matter if you were mega church. Family Church, Africa, New Zealand, Australia, Canada, America, you were stuck. And they made some jokes about Florida and, and, and Florida and Texas because we were, you know, in their opinions, we were a little less stuck. But we were still stuck. And nobody went to that seminar. They didn't have it for two years. Just last week, Monday through Thursday, I was there again for four days listening to similar speakers, similar authors, similar seminars, hearing similar information. Try this and try that. Go here and go there. Here's my list. Here's my book. Here's my 10. Here's this and here's that. Everybody's unique. 
And as I said in my interview, I am too. We all are. God makes us all unique. But for some reason, I have this stubbornness that ever since I got converted, I haven't been able to shake. Praise God. I, I have this little stubborn habit. I like to try and find Jesus' death and resurrection every possible place. And when I don't find it, especially when I'm in church settings, I find that troubling. And uh, I'm not just concerned about <coughs> the evangelical brothers that were there. I have that problem even in our own denomination sometimes. I find that sometimes too often people, whatever the, ta- the rank, the title, the position, too often, you know, even the, the people above me in, in title, I've heard it so many times in our own denomination and others, <clears throat> that too often people just don't really say or do or talk or teach or offer much in Jesus' death and resurrection. And this last week was another one of those moments. And often when I say something, people, the, the, the typical response is different. People use different words, but it basically goes something like this. Hey, everybody already knows about Jesus' death and resurrection. We need to get on to more important other stuff. And I just think, man, if we're all in Jesus really well, then we would say, well, then the next logical conclusion is this is what the world looks like when everybody is really functioning in Jesus. And this is what America really looks like when we're really functioning in Jesus. And this is, what you're, this is as good as your denomination's probably going to get, whatever their denomination was, because this is what it really looks like when people are really getting in Jesus. And we can step on our own toes and say, well, this is, man, woo, Seventh-day Adventist, this is as good as it gets because we all just really operate so fluidly in Jesus. And I could say, amen, but... I'm being sarcastic. And you can ask yourself, how is it with you? Are you stuck? How is it with your family? The answer isn't more lights or less. There's nice books out there, but the answer isn't 20 more books. The answer has always been from the very beginning days of Adam and Eve. How are you doing in Jesus? If you're stuck, that's the answer. It's not complicated. And if you find other people you care about that are stuck, that's the answer. It's not complicated. Two years ago, that, their message was something else, and I went back again, and their message was something else. <clears throat> All the while, two years in between, we were stuck. And it ended, and their message was quite the same. Tens of thousands of pastors, administrators, and church leaders going back to their church around the world with some wonderful information but if it's lacking Jesus, people will still be stuck. And too often people 
wonder like it's a great mystery why they're stuck. In Matthew chapter 17, <clears throat> the disciples found themselves stuck. If you've got your Bible or smartphone, if you turn with me. <clears throat> Matthew 17, starting in verse 14. Matthew 17, 14 through 23. <clears throat> Matthew writes, When they came to the crowd, a man came up to Jesus, falling on his knees before him, saying, Lord, have mercy on my son. For he is a lunatic and he's ill, and he often falls in fire and into water. I brought him to your disciples, and they couldn't cure him. And Jesus said, You unbelieving and perverted generation. How long shall I be with you? How long shall I go up with you or put up with you and bring him to me? Jesus rebuked him and the demon came out and the boy was cured at once. The disciples came to Jesus privately and they said, why couldn't we drive out the demon? And Jesus said, because the littleness of your faith. For truly I say to you, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed and you say to this mountain, move from here to there, it will move and nothing will be impossible to you. But this kind only goes out except with prayer and fasting. While they were gathering together in Galilee, here it is, don't miss it. Jesus, while they were gathering there together in Galilee, Jesus said to the very group, the Son of Man is going to be delivered. This is His death. To the hands of men, they will kill him, and he'll be raised on the third day. And what was their response? About one of the best, best news a human could ever get? Depending on your translation, it'll say they were grieved or they were sad. The disciples were stuck. The problem was so intense, they had to pray and fast to be able to get through the problem because they were stuck. And, and here's a little um, sh short story long. Prayer and fasting. What is prayer and fasting? Basically gives you more time to focus on Jesus so you get more Jesus. <laughs> That's all prayer and fasting is. It's not mystical. It's not magic. It's not, well... Just simply, instead of eating, you put more time in Jesus. Instead of being distracted by everything else, you put more time into Jesus. So your faith in Jesus grows and your appreciation in Jesus grows so you have more Jesus in here. That's it. They needed to pray and spend more time so Christ was in them more. It wasn't enough to kind of be around Him some. <clears throat> this was a serious thing they were stuck on and so they needed more of Christ. And what did Jesus do? As he often does, in one way or another, he slips in the death and resurrection. Well, if you really want to be growing and be more helpful to other people and not be stuck, it's centered in Jesus' death and resurrection. You could go over to the book of Mark, chapter 9, and uh, same story, different perspective. The disciples, as they're in this moment and they're stuck, as I just referred to in Matthew, as they're stuck and Jesus tells them about, man, some of the, I mean, 
what news? If you don't want to be stuck, this is it. This is it. Jesus' death and resurrection. And Matthew says that the disciples were sad. They were sad. <clears throat> if we say, man, we got a solution. We got a solution. But it, it's really Republican. The Democrats would be sad. They wouldn't like it. If we said, man, we got a solution, but it's pretty democratic, the Republicans would be upset. If we said, man, we got a solution, but it's really centered on the you know, people in the really, really low incomes, the wealthy would be wondering, hey, what about me, and vice versa. And if we come up with a solution, man, it just, it's only about Jesus. If you're into Jesus, you're like, yes. If you're not into Jesus, you would be disappointed. You'd be disappointed. Mark chapter 9, Mark is telling this, all these stories to, or Peter is telling all these stories to his nephew Mark, and he's the one writing it down in the Gospel of Mark. And chapter 9 tells the same story. How, you know, they, they couldn't cast out a demon. They didn't have enough faith. They weren't really, they needed more Jesus in them. And, and, and they still, in the book of Mark, it says that Peter admits to, to his nephew, they still didn't understand. He walked with Jesus three and a half years, saw dead people come to life. I mean, just mind-blowing stuff. And, I mean, Jesus, oof. And stories and illustrations, and I mean, the best teacher and the best, best preacher and miracles, and it's just like he never makes a mistake, and on and on and on. And, and <clears throat> Peter has to admit in the book of Mark, after some reflection, he's like, Yeah, we missed it. <laughs> we were like, We were missing it. They missed it. They were stuck. <clears throat> he admitted that they were stuck. And not only were they stuck, in Mark 9, it talks about, you keep reading there, Mark 9, as you go down a few more verses, they, they stumbled upon another person who actually was casting out demons in the name of Jesus, and they were successful at it. And the disciples had this real amazing idea. They said, hey, let's try to make that person stop because he's not one of the twelve. They were truly stuck. Acts chapter 1, Jesus now has been doing this for quite a while. Jesus lived perfectly. He had a ministry that was perfect. He taught perfectly, preached perfectly. He died. He rose. Jesus walked through walls. Jesus would disappear when he thought it was needed. Jesus was glowing. Jesus did all of this stuff. And after all these years, and then in 40 more days, and he's there in Acts chapter 1 with the disciples, the same group, and he's, he's going to give them one last talk about how they can wait in town because he wanted to give them more of what? Jesus. <laughs> Jesus wanted to give them more of Jesus. So wait in town. The Father promised this. Wait in town. Oh, the Holy Spirit's going to give you more of Jesus. And the disciples thought, well, this was going to be a really good time to ask now, this is when Israel is going to start running the world, right? <coughs> you 
That'd be like today with the Lord getting close to coming back again. People, you know, instead of focusing on how can I have more Jesus for me and for others, that would be like what you see in some circles all around. Now, this is the time that God's going to make America stronger, right? This is the time that, it, I mean, America's going to shine better than ever, right? Because it's, if you cut me, we're supposed to bleed red, white, and blue America. Or if you get cut, are you supposed to bleed Jesus? Born here, raised here, love it. As the earth gets closer to the end, it's not the time to make your main focus whatever country you live in. Just like them, the main focus is supposed to be Jesus. Their country was stuck. Their denomination was stuck. My opinion is that According to Revelation, our country's a bit stuck and so are the rest. But I know something that isn't stuck and that's God's kingdom. And if we don't want to be stuck, we would do well to be in that kingdom. One of the speakers that came there to this, these meetings I just was at in Orlando, Florida, he was a missionary And to put it lightly, he was stuck. <clears throat> this was years ago back when, uh, I don't remember the exact year, but most of you will. <clears throat> this was uh, just moments before America invaded Iraq. And Saddam Hussein was the leader of Iraq at the time. And he decided to put all the Christians in prison. And this one missionary um, being in prison... Uh, you could clearly call it him and his wife, their kids. They were stuck. And they couldn't do the typical stuff. They couldn't use money. They couldn't use, you know, title. They couldn't use privilege. They couldn't use any of that stuff. They were in a foreign country, a Muslim country, Iraq. They were in jail. They had nothing at their disposal other than faith in God. And so they prayed. And he basically said, uh, as him and his wife and kids are in, in prison in this foreign country, we don't want to be stuck in jail. Set us free so we can keep telling people about the freedom you give in Jesus. Within a couple of days, <coughs> some of the some of the guards, uh, guards aren't the right word, but some of the leaders that were around Saddam Hussein <clears throat> were leaking it out that he was getting troubling, troubling dreams and that he couldn't do anything about it. I mean, it's just haunting him to let the prisoners go. Kind of like God did with Nebuchadnezzar in the same country a few years back. And so by God's grace, through trusting in Jesus and prayer, Nebuchadnezzar let them out of jail. Not Nebuchadnezzar, it's Saddam Hussein, rather, excuse me. Saddam Hussein let them out of jail. To this day, the American government still has no logical, political explanation why he let them out of jail. 
other than a group of people getting together and praying. God can do anything. Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. Therefore, since we have such a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every encumbrance and sin which so easily entangles us and run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of God. Consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Every time I go to that seminar on Wednesdays, <coughs> they, they have more seminars during lunch on Wednesdays. And so it's unique on Wednesdays because if you go, you not only get a seminar, but they always provide free lunch. And so different, you know, people are always trying to run to those seminars because they give you free lunch. And this particular one I was in was for a large um, Christian uh, company. Uh, They're based out of San Diego, but they were at this to try and promote their products. And it's kind of a church ministry. It it covers lots of stuff, Uh, anything to do with software, Um, attendance, um, online giving, um, advertising, basically anything that church can do with uh, with software, they take care of it. So I was in the meeting listening to it, and, and, and they'd start, they're about 10 minutes in, there's these two women that were, um, you know, the, the salespeople for their program, and, and doing a nice job, and, not, and so there was food at the back before we ever got in the room, and then when you get in, then they'd say, oh, help yourselves and have some food, and we were about 10 minutes in, and then there was some local vendor, because uh, they had all kinds, because I mean, there was 6,000 people at this place. There was vendors everywhere. And so they had already talked as good organized people that they were. They already talked to some vendors ahead of time and said, hey, we're going to eat X amount of people, so put X amount of food in the back. And so this vendor was wanting to go the extra mile. And so about 10, 15 minutes into the seminar, one of the vendors, um, just the delivery person, so the delivery person for one of the vendors came into the vent, came into the back and making sure that, oh yeah, you got enough of this and that and cleaned it up a little bit. While the vendor was there, they heard the, the, the speaker, the, the two ladies up front, the sales ladies, uh, you know, plugging their product. <laughs> and um, as they were plugging their product, this lady it, it doesn't even ask, doesn't raise her hand. She just interrupts in the back, this delivery lady. And this delivery person, she just interrupts and she says, hey, uh, I go to church here in this area. And she said, our, our church had, you know, we have your software and we had a real problem with it. We were, we were stuck. We had a problem with your software. Everybody turns around, looks, kind of the awkward silence for a little bit, you know. Um, as you're sitting there, well, oh, I wonder how this is going to go. If you're the one up front leading it, you're, you know, just like, pray, 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 pray. <laughs> that kind of moment. It's usually like a one, two, three seconds, but sometimes it can feel like an hour. Yeah, man, we, our, our church used that stuff. We had a real problem, man. I mean, we didn't know how we were going to solve that problem. It was sizable. And then she said, one of our people called you up 
And she said, you guys solved it in an hour. It was awesome. She said, I would highly recommend the stuff they're selling. It's aw- it works. It, I mean, it was a, now she's changing her tune. It was a problem. They solved it. They, I mean, it was almost like the problem was not even a problem anymore. But they solved it. It's working better than it was before. It's aw- You should get what they're talking about. One's from California, one's from Florida, didn't know each other, came in the room, spontaneous God moment. If someone walked into your work, if someone walked into you at the grocery store, if someone walked into you at home, if someone walked into you at church, would they say, yeah, man, that guy's stuck. Would they say, ah, yeah, she's, she's stuck. Or would you be like this vendor? Would someone come along, would, would, a, would a nobody come along and say, man, woo, whatever Debbie's got going on, you need some of that. I hear you're stuck. Have you, have you met? You don't have to be stuck. I know someone that can fix it. I know a church where they actually help people for free. They don't beg you for money. You don't have to be stuck. If people, and this isn't an if, we're human beings, we're alive. People bump into you all the time. When they do, verbally or subconsciously, what do you think goes through their mind? They think you're stuck? Man, that, ah, that person is stubborn. Ugh. When people bump into you in life, Are you stuck? Or are you doing well enough? We're not perfect until we get to heaven. That'll be a wonderful day. But are you getting enough Jesus so that instead of being permanently stuck, we can actually spend a chief part of our time helping other people that are stuck get unstuck through Jesus? John chapter 2. John chapter 2 is a fun, fun scripture. In John chapter 2, <clears throat> many of you know the story, so I'll just give an overview of it. In John chapter 2, there were some professed believers. In John chapter 2, they weren't only professed believers. They, and and most every Christian today, thinks that they were the remnant. And these these remnant people, they, they, there was a wedding. It was a party. And at this party, the men, they had planned, they would prepared, they were ready, they were going to have fun, because who doesn't like fun? 
and these, these, these professed believers, these remnant people, as they're having fun, living life and having a party, and they, to be consistent with my theme, they got stuck. At the moment when they needed it most, they needed some grape juice, because that was a really big part of their wedding party. They needed some grape juice. At one of the most important times, they ran out of grape juice. They were stuck. Doesn't seem like a big deal to us, perhaps, but it must have been a big deal to them because God made sure it's put in the Bible and it's been here for almost 2,000 years that some professed believers were at a party and they ran out of some liquid and it was a problem, big enough problem it's in the Bible. And you know what happened? There was a little lady, a little lady, the Bible says her name's Mary. The Bible says her name is Mary and she angels spoke to her before Jesus was born. And for all of these years, this is Jesus' mommy. Her name's Mary. For all these years, she's been packing Jesus in her brain. Because you never know when you'll bump into people that are stuck. Amen? She was at a party. It doesn't always have to be baptisms and offering calls. They were at a party. I like parties. Have one. Invite me. I like parties. We're having one tonight for the 20-year-olds. Please come. They're having a party and they got stuck. And you know what she says? It's so simple. It's so simple. Read it later. John chapter 2. This, this simple, common woman. Nobody had a clue who she was. She just simply told the people. Let me move this so we're not distracted here. And then I'll share the simple words and we'll have a song here. professed believers were stuck. They thought they were the remnant. I know some of those people. How about you? They were stuck. And a woman gave some simple advice. She said, and read it in John chapter 2 later. I'm paraphrasing it. Do whatever Jesus tells you. No, but I mean, really, I mean, it's just we, we, you know, we love to have a thousand different directions we could go. Do whatever Jesus tells you. It's not complicated. Some of you are stuck. Don't have to admit it to me. I have enough people telling me interesting stories. Don't lie to yourself. And most importantly, don't lie to the Holy Spirit. If you're not stuck, praise the Lord. You know people that are. If you don't want to be stuck and you want to be helpful to other people around you so they're not stuck, do whatever Jesus tells you to do.